Spikes on. Welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News presented by the Harrier. And before we get into everything, make sure that you leave a review, uh, leave a like, subscribe to the channel. Really helps us know that you're enjoying everything that's going on. Uh, if you missed it yesterday on Instagram, we actually announced the uh, series that we're going to be having a, a docu series following Mount St. Mary's track and field. Um, which is a, a Division One team out in Emmitsburg, Maryland. We follow their 2020-2021 season, uh, discussing all the ups, downs, twists, turns that happened with, with this outdoor season and, and a whole bunch of stuff. Got a lot of great interviews. Uh, that's going to be coming up on June 19th. So uh, that's going to be replacing our interview shows for uh, a few weeks um, as we're doing that docu-series. So hopefully it's something you guys enjoy. Um, we're in the midst of doing it right now, so um, that should be coming out within the next few weeks. So so stay tuned, and if you want updates on it, uh, make sure you go and check us out on Instagram uh, at Track World News. So uh, awesome. Wanted to, to get all that out the way first. Um, and so we have a, a bunch of things that, that went on this week. Obviously, we had the nationals prelims and i'm going to talk about some of the uh other performances that i saw that were that were pretty impressive to me and, and just other interesting things uh but before that i want to get into our our main story uh of the day um and that is could justin gatlin like actually be missing the olympics this year um so let's take a look at, at what that is because Justin Gatlin, obviously one of the, the biggest names in United States track and field, and to say that he might be missing the Olympics altogether um, can be kind of a, you know, a, a big thing to hear, and, and I want to break down why I think that, uh, you know, why there's a genuine possibility that he could be missing it. So uh, first, let's start with what is probably, not probably, it is his weaker event, uh, and that's the 200. So this past weekend at Doha, he ran the 200 for the first time since 2019. Uh, and if we go back before that, the last time he had ran an Open 200 was the Olympics in 2016. So he is not a 200-meter a, a specialist by any means. He did do a few 4x2s, I believe, earlier on this season, but he is definitely not a 200-meter specialist. So he ran his very first uh, 200 of the, the year. He ran a 20.49, which was the fastest time by anyone that is 39 years of age or older. So congratulations, uh, Justin, on that. Uh, but breaking down the times after that, I mean – He's not in a, a great spot to make an Olympic team, especially for Team USA with that time. I mean, it's the 61st fastest time in the world, 30th in the U.S., and so is it fast? Yeah, sure, but it's not going to make any Olympic team, and I'm sure he recognizes that. Um, I mean, it, that, that 20.49 probably won't even get you on the medal stand for the Nationals uh, in, what, the next week or so. So... That he's not going to be making it in that. So let's go to his bread and butter, the the 100. So there's two ways that you could make it for the 100. One would be in the open, uh, and then uh, one obviously would then be in the trials, or not the trials, but the uh, the four by one. And so he, in order to make the four by one, 
you to just be in the contention, I believe it's the top five in the, the trials. So you have to finish top five in order to be in that relay pool. And if you're in the top three, obviously you're able to compete in not only the open 100, but the four by one as well. And so where is Justin Gatlin in the 100? So right now, uh, Gatlin is ranked 11th in the world uh, and he is eighth in the U.S. So there's obviously still a few meets left. This isn't the fastest he's going to be running, most likely, but right now he's eighth. And there are some really good runners that are ahead of him that I'm not sure if he's going to be able to beat. Um, one, Trayvon Brumel. Um, I think he's the, the obvious star right now for, for 2021 track and field. He's ran a 9.88. He's been doing it pretty consistently. He just ran a 200 uh, yesterday. Uh, and he, he did he did fairly well in that as well. Obviously, he's just getting ready, building his strength for this for this 100 that he's going to be running. But he's going to be the preemptive favorite. So boom, that's one spot taken right there, Trayvon Brumel. Uh, next, I think Isaiah Young. I mean, he's he's also having a, a fantastic year. He's ran what an, a 9.89. So so he's having a really great season so far as well. So that's another person that is under 9.9, and they've both been running either like very close to, to 10 flats or, or sub 10 flats the entire year. Um, and then also, I mean, we have Ronnie Baker who just yesterday uh, ran a 9.91 and a 9.99 uh, in the same day at the Duval as well as also running, what was it? I think a nine, a nine, nine, one also twice earlier on in the year. So he's got three times that are sub 10 already. And then you have a bunch of other names like like Craven Gillespie. Uh, you have Terrence Laird, who, who who could be in this, probably more in the 200, but also in the, in the 100. Uh, you have a lot of different athletes that are going to be in this. Noah Lyles when he starts getting up, most likely. So there are a lot of really good runners right now that are running very similar times and and, and better times than Justin Gatlin and his 9.98 was earlier on in the season. So since then he's been running in the, the tens, uh, for his, for his 100. And I don't think it's going to like a 10 second 100 is going to make the team. If you want to be on this USA team this year, you're going to have to be running sub tens. And if there's anyone that could do that and, and, you know, is going to be busting out the best race of his, you know, of the year, it's going to be Gatlin because he has that experience. Like I get it. Like he's got a ton of experience. He, he knows what he has to do. He knows exactly what his, you know, his body's going to be. It's like, it's like one of those people you don't want to bet against. And I, I understand that, but there is a lot of fantastic young talent right now that it's going to be super hard to bet against as they're not going to make the team because what, so you're saying that between Trayvon Brumell, Isaiah Young, Ronnie Baker, and Justin Gatlin, one of them is not going to be on the Open 100 team. One of them. Who is it going to be? I don't know. But one of those guys is not going to be on the team. And that's not even the entire list of USA athletes that, that could be making this thing. So it's going to be a very, very close race. Um, and I think there is a very real chance that Gatlin does not make the Olympic team this year, which would be – not a great way for him to leave. I'm sure he doesn't want to go out on a note of, I didn't even make the Olympic team in pretty much my last year running. I'm sure he doesn't want to do that, but it's a very real possibility. Um, but if anyone can pull things together, it'd be him. Watch him now 
win the entire Olympic trials, of course. I bet you that's going to happen now. I'm going to make me eat my words. But um, awesome. So now I want to get into some of the performances that uh, really impressed me this weekend. Uh, first, let's talk about Hobbs Kessler. So he is a runner from Michigan high schooler who ran a 334, which is the new uh, U20 record as well as the new high school record. And uh, this kid is flying, just running insane times. Put that in perspective, he broke the high school record by nearly four seconds, and he has ran faster than any collegian did this year, which means he would have had the, the collegiate record. So he's just been running ecstatic. I know in an interview right after his race, he mentioned that he was just trying to run 336, you know, qualify for the trials, and he ends up running, you know, one of the fastest times in the U.S. I think it's the second fastest time right now. So he was flying. And to put in perspective, like, how his career has progressed, um, this has been – this is um, the PRs that Hobbs has had in the 1500 this year. So – or not this year, but over his high school career. So as a freshman, he was running 454. Uh, then his sophomore year, he cut off 30 seconds on that and ran a 424. Then obviously junior year was, was COVID, so he wasn't able to, to compete in anything there. And then this year, he ran a 334. So he went from running nearly five minutes in the 1500 as a freshman to running a 334. So... To anyone out there that, you know, you don't think that you have what it takes, you, you're not, you don't think you're running fast enough at a certain age, whatever it might be, like, look at Hobbs, man. Like, you can do it. Like, 454, that's very fast, obviously, especially as a freshman. But it's not, obviously, the, the 334 time that he ran. It's, it's more, a little more realistic. And so just because you don't think you're running, you know, as fast as you want, you can always progress. Keep going. Keep at the training, and, and you can do it. Uh, next impressive uh, event or thing that I saw, uh, performance, uh, a thing Mo running the national record in the 400. Uh, she ran it in 49.68 at the West Prelims. Uh, so she now holds the record for both the 400 and the 800 meters. And this kind of brings up the conversation on which record is more impressive. Uh, the 400 or the 800. And so I'm taking a look at both of these records and trying to see which I think is better. And personally, I think this 800 meter time is much better, but, but let's, let, me, let me show you why. So for the, the 400, she is uh, fourth in the U.S., um, but, or fourth in the world, sorry, number one in the U.S. Uh, Shamir Little and... Uh, Quinera Hayes are also under 50 as well, though. So they're within, uh, you know, a couple milliseconds, 0 0.2, 0 0.3. They're all, they're all within, you know, striking distance of being there. And, you know, there's obviously three other people that are faster than her right now in the 400. Uh, in the 800, though, she is first in the world uh, with her 157.73. And she is nearly a second faster than the next U.S. Uh, 800 meter runner, uh, Sabrina Sutherland. She is just, dem she's demolishing right now and is the clear favorite in the 800, where in the 400, there's a few other people that are kind of in the mix with her, where in the 800, she's on another another level. And to think that she's just a freshman is insane. Uh, this obviously makes it 
seem like this is going to be her last year in college. So I hope Texas A&M is enjoying having her because she's definitely not going to be wearing the maroon next season. Uh, I can tell you that. Um, she's, she's just been an incredible runner and kind of lived up to all the expectations that people had. She, she did really well in high school. A lot of people had high expectations for her in the uh, collegiate level, and she's living up to all of them, uh, and exceeding probably, because she's got two national records. Uh, excited to see what she's going to be doing at the national meet uh, in the 400. Obviously, she's probably going to want to avenge herself, because in indoors, she came in second, I believe, to a uh, lady from Texas. I can't remember. Texas Tech? I can't remember her name. Blanking on it right now. But uh, I'm sure she wants to bring that, that national title uh, for the individual event, for sure. So... Great races by uh, by Mo right there. And then uh, that kind of brings us into nationals. And so this uh, for those that don't know, the, the final is going to be June 9th through the 12th. Uh, fans are going to be allowed. Uh, I believe it's somewhere around 4,000 fans each day uh, are going to be allowed. Uh, there's going to be more information on it soon. Uh, I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, it's probably already out there. Um, but that, that's going to be happening. And another big thing that, that people saw, uh, one, if you look at the East prelims, the lights actually turned off during the, the four by four, like they were, so they're running at night because it's a later, you know, it's the last event of the day and the stadium lights just turned off in the middle of the race and they, they still had to keep running. I believe it was after the first leg. The, the athletes just kept running and the, you know, the fans in the stands and the other athletes that weren't running uh, were using their cell phone lights to light up the track. And as a fan, this looked really cool. Like it looked super dope seeing like, you know, these people are running at, at night and you just see the, these cell phones in the back that are lighting things up. It looks like a concert. It was awesome. And everyone was going crazy because you don't see us very often. But, uh, and as an athlete, it was probably also, you know, fairly interesting where you're like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a part of this, you know, crazy thing that's going on. Uh, I remember in college, there was a uh, decathlon or multi-event that was going on in my school and, and we don't have lights on our, our stadium. And so for the 400, they had to have a coach like driving behind the athletes in a truck with their headlights on so they could see what's going on on the track. So it's kind of reminded me of that situation. Uh, and so I'm sure the athletes, you know, were, was cool, but they're also probably pretty upset because that that was an opportunity that they had to qualify for nationals. And I'm sure that kind of threw a big wrench into things because now you can't see. You're game planning for lights. Now you don't know what the hell's going on. And you're going to have to try to figure out your handoffs, you know, what your race strategy. You can't see the runner in front of you. You can't feel, feel them behind you as well. And so that, that must have stunk. But, you know, it was, it was interesting, uh, you know, seeing that. And so. We got to get more lights off races, but people knowing it's going to be, you know, lights off like that. Uh, that'd be cool. Uh, next. Uh, oh, yeah. And also something with the NCAA. I forgot. So with the last thing on the, the reinstate 48, which if you don't remember, uh, the NCAA decided to cut every athlete from 33 to 48, um, which would normally be in the NCAA championship prelims. Uh, they said we weren't going to have that anymore. And uh, enough people kind of spoke up saying, no, this is, a, you know, an important part of, you know, what, what we're doing. Like, let's make sure that we have it, you know, still. And they protested, eventually got it back. And since they got it back, 22 athletes from 18 different schools 
actually qualified for Eugene that wouldn't have even been able to be in the meet. So these are athletes that would have been in that 33 to 48 range. And so there's 22 athletes that are now able to compete at nationals that the NCAA originally had said, you know, there's no reason for you to even be here. Like we're just going to, you know, lower the numbers and, and, and that be that. And so it's great seeing that there were 22. And now I bet you there's probably going to be even more pushback if they wanted to, you know, cut it back. Because now of these 22 athletes, how many of them could have a chance of scoring some serious points? I mean, I'm sure some of – I don't know the exact athletes that they are, but I'm sure some of them are from major schools. What if a few of these guys are from LSU, Oregon? What if they end up coming in the top eight? And now it's like, oh, they scored points, and that was the difference in, you know, a national championship, a uh, national champion. So it's like, no, we don't need less competition. We need more and, you know, more parity, a lot more athletes to, to compete because track is crazy. I mean, we saw in the West prelims Chanel Bursette, who's number one in the, in the entire country in the 100-meter the hurdles, false start. She's not going to the nationals in, anymore. Uh, we, we saw like five other hurdlers in the West prelims false start. So crazier things have happened. And so to cut people out is just ridiculous. And I hope they, they don't end up doing it. Um, and then last thing that I wanted to touch on is this new thing going on. I'm sure if you're following track and field on Instagram, Twitter, if you watch the most recent American Track League uh, race, you'll see this new thing called World One League. And I'm sure a lot of you are probably wondering, you know, what the heck is this World One League? As I was thinking, because I just saw it pop up on my Instagram about a few days ago. And so what it is, it looks like it's this new um, league ranking system created by Mark Cuban, who is the billionaire that owns the, uh, the um, Dallas Mavericks. He created this new thing that's going to be, you know, innovating track and field and, and crowning the fastest runners, the highest jumpers, the farthest jumpers, the strongest, you know, athletes, as well as the best swimmers, climbers, things like that. Um, and so they're ranked, they're doing a ranking system right now. It's, it's in really early development. Uh, they had something at this most recent American track league, uh, yesterday where they actually gave the winner of the, uh, they were doing a 40 yard dash splits. Um, they gave the winner of that four, $5,000. Um, Brianna Williams of the women ended up winning. She ran a 4.49 and, uh, Ronnie Baker, uh, ended up winning on the men's side, running a 4.19, which would have been better than any uh, NHL, not NHL, any better NFL combine uh, record, which is uh, set by Ross at 4.22. And so uh, what do I think about this? I mean, I love it. I mean, this is yet another company that's here that is trying to innovate track and field and, and running, and I think we need more of that. And to have a, you know, a guy like Mark Cuban uh, backing this thing is great, because we know he has tons of capital to be able to do something like this. Um, so excited to see what they're going to be doing in the future. It's something that is really cool and innovative. Check out the website. Uh, looks really awesome. They have all of the, you know, the athletes ranked out there, and so that's something that's, that's really awesome. But uh, yeah, so this has been a, another episode of Track World News. Uh, next week, we'll talk about previews for nationals, uh, who I think is going to win, and, and all that, that stuff, uh, because that will be happening the week 
after, and uh, we'll also probably be talking about some Olympic trials things uh, as well. So um, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want some more content, go and follow us on Instagram at Track World News. Uh, also make sure that you leave a like, uh, review, subscribe, all that stuff really helps us know that you're enjoying the channel and, and stuff that's got going on. Uh, my name's been Colin Waitsman. Have a good one and peace. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.